Welcome to the Embodied CEO Podcast. I'm Kirsten, and while I'm an integrative performance dietitian by trade, a mom of three, and a wife, I am also a nearly two-decade entrepreneur turned business mentor, and I've seen all sorts of iterations of how to do business. And I'm tired of female business owners not fully stepping into their power because the road we've been told we have to take to get here sucks. In this podcast, I'm empowering entrepreneurs to trust their voice and expertise, to start thinking big when it comes to their business, and to move forward unapologetically toward goals that don't have to make sense to other people. Let's have the big conversations. Let's lay it all out on the table. And let's support each other forward in this crazy journey of entrepreneurship. Oh, and let's have some fun while we're doing it. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Embodied CEO Podcast. I am super excited to have you with me here today, and I have a special guest who's probably a little bit out of the box of what you expect from my special guest, but I'm very excited to have her here with me. She and I have kind of known each other on our own journeys, both personally and professionally, in all different iterations. She has been with me on the nutrition side. She is a phenomenal runner and massive wealth of resources, which we were just talking about if you could see her visually. She's got a a shelf full of books behind her. So obviously she knows all the things because she has read these, I assume. I assume. Maybe they're just visuals. I don't know. They're not even books. books. It's (laughs) it's just cardboard. It's just cardboard behind her. I am so excited to have Elizabeth Scott of Running Explained with me. If you are not following her, follow her. I don't even care if you're a runner because she is just a wealth of information. And for that alone, you should follow her. But I have her here today because she also obviously runs a business. So we're going to talk all things business and content and followers and what that means. But first, I'm going to shut up and let her introduce herself so that she can tell you who she is because she'll do a much better job than I just did. Hi, Kirsten. Thank you for having me. I agree. I mean, it's so cool that I think we've known each other for... A couple years, yeah. A couple years now. (laughs) Through Instagram, which is why I love Instagram so much, because you meet all of these people just randomly, and then we realize the world is really small and we're all connected in so many spots. Exactly. I like to say in our little corner of the internet, it's actually a pretty tight-knit community. So I am Elizabeth Scott. I am the owner of Running Explained, the founder, the head coach, the only person behind the entirety of everything that is Running Explained. No pressure. So yes, no pressure at all. So that's what I do. And my goal as and I, I know we'll talk about what, kind of what the business is and why I started it, but my goal is to help runners of all types, experience levels, paces, interest levels, just become better runners, no matter what that means for you. I love that for multiple things. A, because it's just a cool attitude to have. I want to help everybody be better at what they do. But second, because it goes against what so many other people will tell you is like, pick a niche, pick an ideal person. Don't talk to everybody because it means you talk to nobody. And that's garbage in general terms. It's garbage for anything you do with business because like the iPhone, my perfect example, um, you have CEOs using iPhones and you have people who work in factories using iPhones. So like it's garbage. But anyway, with that, tell everybody how Running Explained kind of came about because you and I have been connected from your very, very early days of Running Explained. And you have had a massive blow up, glow up growth period since. But tell me how that profile kind of came about. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird journey. And like many things that happened during the early days of the pandemic, in my mind, like everything's kind of a little bit fuzzy. Like I know things happened, but I'm not quite sure what order they necessarily happened in. When I started running, I started running in 2017. I was in my late 20s. I just quit drinking and I picked up running as a way to get healthy, quote unquote, lose weight, which was my goal at the time. And I'd signed up for a local 5K. 
yada, yada, yada. A couple years later, multiple marathoner, like I'd run a bunch, I dropped some time off, off my races. And I had become really just interested in what it meant, like the science of the sport. Right. So reading books, kind of getting educated. It I, for me personally, we can talk about, you know, the why I find that running is the perfect intersection for all my interests, which are the human body, the human mind. Right. And this kind of endless search for just being like optimizing, but also meeting yourself where you are and learn these life skills. I think it's just, I think it's like the whole package and it fa- endlessly fascinates me. But I was thinking about this last night in preparation for this call. And I, I've been I've been saying like I just started this Instagram account because I wanted to help people. And I was, I'll be honest with you, Kirsten. I remember now why I started running explain. I've been hanging out in the Instagram runner space for a couple years. I had this like really small personal account that had kind of been documenting my journey. It no longer exists, which is <laughs> I did intentionally. It's pretty cringy looking back on it. We all have the cringy Instagram history. Every single one of us has that. Oh my goodness. (laughs) What I noticed is that as I was gaining knowledge in my sport as a completely amateur, like lay person runner, I was noticing that there was a lot of misinformation and things that were happening in the Instagram running community that I was kind of, you know, a part of that I was like, this isn't people aren't doing this correctly. Not everybody, right? I'm not pointing out saying like nobody's doing this correctly except for me. But I was looking and like all these really easily fixable things. I was like, nobody's running easy on their easy days. Nobody seems to understand heart rate training. Nobody seems to like, nobody's like fueling correctly. Like nobody's taking rest. So like all these things, I was like, I should start an Instagram account, not saying that I know everything in the world, but I went through all these mistakes that were running too hard on easy days, yada, yada, all the things that, you know, new runners make mistakes on. And I was like, I just want to share my knowledge with the world. I want to like help you understand that there is a, a different way, a better way. You don't have to get injured. You don't have to burn out, blah, blah, blah. So I started this account running explained in late 2020. And I was very like reluctant. I, I did not start it to become a coach. I did not start it to write training plans. Like I did actually not, I didn't start running explained with any sort of like monetization or business in mind. I just started an Instagram account and I started just hope making posts and doing Instagram lives. And it really just kind of snowballed from there. The weekly Instagram lives turned into a podcast because I was like, this makes way more sense to make this a podcast rather than a weekly Instagram live. And then I had people reach out and like, do you do training plans? Like, do you coach people? You know, do this. And at first I was like, no, I don't. Like, I don't coach people. I don't offer training plans. And then my best friend, Ashley, basically said, hey, I want to train for my very first half marathon. Like, will you coach me? I said, Ashley, I'm not a coach. She's like, what are you talking about? Of course you are. This is what you do. And so she helped, I think, kind of launch that like, hey, maybe I need to believe myself a little bit more and give myself a tad bit more credit and offer offer the things that people are asking for. So I say that I kind of fell backwards into the business side of it. But that is definitely where I've seen the most growth. And I have, I'm taking notes while you're talking because I have so many thoughts on what you just said. First of all, the parallel of running is a metaphor for life. (laughs) I like firmly live in that. And I think most people who become lifelong runners don't start when they're really young. Like I know some people who were like, I ran cross country when I was seven, you know, like, but that's not the majority of people. I think the majority of people, especially women that I know, fall into this as a, I need something that I can focus on that's going to make me feel like I'm connected to myself, that I can grow in, and that's going to give me energy and mental clarity and, you know, excitement and something to challenge me. And then here we are, and suddenly we're all lifetime runners after that, right? So I love that part to begin with. But then the second part of that is, 
you started without the intention of starting a business. You started simply from a, this is what I do and who I am, and I'm really into it, and I know a little bit about it, and I'm continuing to learn more about it, and I want to kind of tell other people because I see a lot of people making their life really complicated. That, to me, is every coach I've ever known. Even the ones who started with the idea of, I'm going to start a coaching business. Well, why do you even have something to coach on? It's usually because it is your passion project. It's the thing you care about the most. It's the thing you're the most educated on. And it's the thing that you want to continue to learn about, right? For most people that I know in the coaching space, it's not a struggle to continue to grow as a coach because it's the stuff we love. And then your friend, Ashley, you said her name was, you said, she said, of course you're a coach. It's what you do. That's it. Because this is the thing you do. Running is what you do. Learning about running is what you do. Telling other people how to make running easier and explaining running to other people is what you do. So you automatically become the coach. And I see that parallel in so many other people, regardless of what, if you're listening to this, regardless of what you coach on, I know I have a lot of dietitians in my audience simply because I am a dietitian, but I also didn't get into dietetics 20 some years ago to go, what, one day I'm going to run my own coaching business. That was not in my brain. It was, I'm obsessed and fascinated with how much we can do for our body our lives, our wellness, our health, our mental clarity and everything if we just have magnesium on board. Do you know what I mean? It was like something so basic where it's like this literally could change lives. Why isn't everybody doing this? And then I started talking about it with passion. And I get this question from people a lot. And we're going to talk about this with you also. Why do people resonate with that? And why are people drawn to that? Because they know that we're passionate. It's the people who are like, how can I make money? Oh, let me make money by being a coach. Oh, what can I coach on? Oh, I know a little bit about this. And then it's backwards. So you said you fell into it. I actually don't think you did. I think you went about it exactly the way that it is meant to be done. You are passionate about something and other people recognized your passion and your knowledge and your power in that. And then they're like, hey, you should really do something with this. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess. I think that's the right way to do it. So even though it seems backwards, I honestly think that's the successful coaches because it wasn't for the sake of money. It was for the sake of, I am really into this and I would love to help people. I love that. So your goal wasn't for it to be a business, but here we are, and now it is a business. And when you and I first connected, it was through the nutrition side of my business, since my business over the last few years, which is also funny that you said COVID in the middle of this. For me at this point, life probably for most people is either pre-COVID or post-COVID. It's kind of like the hard point in time to which I compare everything. Like I look at my kids sometimes, I'm like, when did we go? And I'm like, wait, it was before COVID. Like everything in my mind is just like pre and post. But I think the pandemic for many of us as tragic and awful and horrible, of course, as everything was, was also a little bit of a gift of clarity, at least it was for me, of I do have all these ideas and all these thoughts and things that I really care about. So I'm going to start being a little bit more vocal about it, which is what I did. But you and I met on the nutrition side of the business, which since then has for me also grown into the business side. And when we first met, your Instagram was about 2,000 followers. I distinctly remember this because I found your Instagram as a runner, as a fellow runner. I found your Instagram. I'm like, and I, you know, at this point had been running for 10 years and I was like, well, I know some of this stuff, but like the detail at which she explains it and the amount of information is just fascinating. So I started following you then. Your Instagram has now blown up and I didn't check this morning, but you're somewhere around 120K mark and then maybe more this morning, 150. Where are we? Just hit 130. And look at that. So last I checked, I wrote this whenever last week. So clearly like your Instagram is blowing up. Talk me through that experience. Like what is that like going from, I'm doing this little thing on the side of stuff I care about. And suddenly there's 130,000 people watching what you do. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously it's been, you know, a couple of years and I remember when we first connected and I think I was like, oh, same thing. I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> She's saying all the things that I need to hear from a from nutrition side. And I think one of the, in the things that I am very clear on in what I do in my business is I know my scope, right? So I know that I'm not, although I do try to cover a lot of information and I try to present relatively complicated topics in some case in a way that a lot of different kind of, kinds of people can understand, right? So taking nuanced, complicated topics and trying to simplify them and explain them in a way that are really accessible to a regular audience in graphics, right? In, in you know, uh, little captions. And I don't really know how it, <laughs> the, the look has definitely evolved, but it just resonated with people. And I think there was probably a little bit of, I want to say, I wanna, I'm not going to call it luck. I'm going to call it good decisions on my part to name my business running something, something when I am a running focused business. But over the past couple years of Instagram, it's been steady growth, which is awesome to see, but I no longer chase follower count. Like at one point it was like, let's see how many followers I can get. And it's when you're working in this business. And I know some people might say like, I call BS. This doesn't sound correct. It almost doesn't matter. Like when you're making content and when you're speaking to your audience, it doesn't matter how many quote unquote followers that you have. You're just making content that you find interesting and hope will resonate with some people because it's it's content and it's a message and it's information that you genuinely believe in, right? So although there are some posts that I've made that have blown up and gone viral, as viral as these types of posts can go, that's actually not my goal. Like my goal is not to make viral content. My goal is to cover a wide range of topics in a way that's really accessible to a lot of people and have my entire account be a resource. And I have also, although I have seen a lot of growth in my business, it's not like for every X number of followers, my business grows X percent, right? I liken it to if you own a store in a really busy place, right? Yeah, you have access to a lot of people, but how many people actually come in the door? And how many people come in the door actually buy something, right? So, you know, although the, I will admit that there definitely are advantages to having a large, larger in the grand scheme of things, my, I think I'm technically like a micro influencer. I'm not an influencer, I'm a coach, but that kind of follower count, but that's not the goal for me. The goal is to just kind of keep pumping out content, hope it resonates with people, reaches new people, and just kind of keep doing what I'm doing. And I love that so much because I think this is where a lot of folks that are in the online business growth game struggle, that they think, well, I will do better when, right? Like when the magic 5,000 number or 10,000 number or 20,000 number or whatever. And we keep chasing the goalposts that keeps moving when instead we should be focusing on, well, who is currently paying attention? And let me make sure that I give the most, like you just said, accessible, impactful and helpful information. And that's something that I have to say, watching you over the last few years, you've never faltered from that. You are the queen of every piece of content I no longer save all your content, full disclosure, because it was like my entire saved. Do you know what I'm saying? Because there's no point. Like, There's no point in saving. I just know if I need something, I just go to your account because it's probably there. It's probably been covered. You cover, like you said, the wide range of topics that will apply to anybody who runs. Wherever you are in that journey, this stuff applies. You're going to find what you need. And every post, and I, this is going to be a total side note because you're going to have to tell me in just a second, but every post seems like you must have spent two hours in the books behind you to pull out all the nuggets and to cite all the stuff and to give all the the details and the exact numbers and all the things. Every post is just brilliant content. And the fact that you focused on that, regardless of the size, because this is this wasn't just now that you have 130,000 followers. This was when I first followed you and it was 2,000 followers. That was part of the reason I started following. It's probably the main reason that I started following you. The fact that it was just, this is really, really good information. 
that I can immediately implement. Do you know what I mean? Like you literally, every time I'm on my long run, you're in the back of my brain of like, slow down, slow down. You are not chasing a time right now. You are out here for endurance. You are out here to build that. And every time I'm like, I should be 30 seconds slower than I'm going right now. Yes, Elizabeth, I hear you. Like the point is everything that you've put out from the start to now has been for the purpose of helping and actually having impact. And I think that is the part where so many people get lost when they're trying to scale a business. They think exactly like you just said, if I just had more people watching. Well, but if what you're saying is not impactful. It doesn't matter if you have 10 people watching or 10,000 people watching. If we're trying to help people and establish ourselves as the go-to authority that they're going to look to for when they want growth in this area on which we claim to be experts, then we need to put out content that covers that regardless of how many people are watching. You could have the worst kiosk in the back of you know the mall from your hometown that was once big in the 1990s when I was in high school and most of you were not born. You can have that worst kiosk and still have a multi six-figure business if you're the best person in that mall. But you could be at the, at, the, at the Mall of America. Where is that? Somewhere in Minnesota? Does that still exist? I don't know. You could be at Mall of America and have like the biggest store right in the center. But if, you're, if your products and your goods and the way you talk to people suck and no one's drawn to what you're doing, it doesn't matter. It's not just about exposure. Sure, it helps, but it only helps if what you're doing on the back end is exceptional and is going to draw people in. And you have been the queen of that, truly, in this entire time that I've watched you. Thank you. And it's definitely, I mean, I think if you scroll all the way back on my Instagram feed, like the, <laughs> the, early, the like I said, the, the look has definitely changed. The aesthetic has definitely changed. And I will freely admit that I, I have a, a background in my uh, professional career that I think has allowed me to have developed these kind of weird skills that it takes to run a business like this over time. You know, obviously on Instagram and in most social media, what it looks like matters, right? It's not just about the message. It has to, there has to be a compelling visual component. One of the things that I learned early on, and I I think this is an interesting thing that a lot of people, you know, are a little shy of, and I don't think you should be, is that I'm not afraid to continually repeat my core messaging. I think a lot of people, when they are creating content and trying to on social media or in email marketing or whatever it is, they're afraid to kind of say, oh, I already said that. Like, I don't want to say it again. Like, they don't want to hear that again. I'm like, look, if it's if it's genuinely a core value, a core part of, of what you're teaching and who you are, like, you should be repeating it often. Not every day. Well, maybe every day. But it should be something that is like, oh, if I am engaging with so-and-so within the first period of, of me understanding what they do, like, I should understand some of the core themes here. And for me, as an example, getting people to run in their easy effort zone on on days that are supposed to be easy effort and explaining what that is and how to do it and why to find it and where we go. And like, I have modules on it in my group training programs. And that's like a huge part of what we do in one-on-one coaching, right? Because it is so important. And I post about it regularly. And I even had somebody DM me like last year and he's like, we a man. It always is. On social media. And we know it always is. And he's like, enough with the easy running. We get it. And I was like, well, clearly not everybody does because I get questions about it every day. Thank you so much for your input. And also, this is when I want to go, you had nothing else to do than tell me that you've already heard this. Please go find a new hobby. Yeah. So, I mean, this is like... Just, you know, being a business, female business owner in 2023. But that's something that I I think is really valuable for a lot of people to understand. Like, look, if this is part of your core messaging, your core education, 
you should be talking about it all the time. Yeah. I just wrote down two things to make sure that these stayed in my brain while you were explaining that, because this is what I say to my business coaching clients all the time. It is brand and it is authority. I can see one of your posts and before I even read it and before I look who it was from, I know it's yours because your brand is recognizable. Again, Apple is my perfect example. Everybody recognizes Apple products. It does, you recognize an Apple store without seeing any, like they don't even have the name on the outside of their store. They have the logo on the glass wall to get inside, but everybody knows it's an Apple store. You know, when you see a store that says the iStore, it's not an Apple store. You know, this is a knockoff store because Apple doesn't even need to do that. Apple literally just, you know who they are. It's brand. I get people messaging me all the time going, I knew that was yours before I looked whose it was because I hear your voice in it. That's it. When you can create brand where people already know this is you and this is what leads to growth and this is what leads to people trusting in the authority, which is that repeat messaging, that this is what it is. This is what's important. It isn't about a new shiny spoon every week. It is this is the foundational stuff that you need to get really flipping good at that I coach on, that I am the expert on because I have done this. I have researched this. I have coached on this. This is what I know. But it's exactly like you said, people get worried about that and get in their head about it, that they somehow will lose relevance relevance if they're not constantly creating something new. But chances are whatever you coach on, especially if it's something science-based, like you know, on the nutrition side of the business, the, the science doesn't change. Your mitochondria is still going to do what it's doing today in 100 years. So in your lifetime, nothing's going to change, except it'll probably get worse if you don't have magnesium on board. This is a side note. But my point is the <laughs> core messaging of what you do should be repeated, should be recognizable. People should know. Like that guy that messaged you, he knows. Running Explains main message is please run your easy efforts easy so that you can become a, long, a better runner in the long haul. He knows that. You have done an A-plus job with educating that man on what you do. He has done a man job of responding to it, but you have done an A-plus job of educating him on what is important in running. That is what makes a successful business, especially when we're in an industry, and I want to touch on this because running, for example, or nutrition in my case, is a very saturated online space because it's something that everyone can do, therefore everyone claims they know what they're doing. What do you think has been the reason, and I, I have a, I'm probably you know leading with the wrong thing here because I already know the answer, but why do you think what you've done has resonated so much with people in what could be perceived as a saturated space? Oh, now I want to know what you think. Well, I think it is. I'm going to actually jump in front of you here. I think it is your brand and I think it is the authenticity of your message, not just the authority, but the authenticity. Like you are the person behind it. And even though your face is actually not on the feed very much, when you do show up on your feed or in your stories, you sound the same as when it's in writing. There's no difference. You're speaking to it as the expert authority, but in a way, and you said this earlier, in a way that is tangible to the average listener. It doesn't matter. They don't have to be an elite. They can be the average mom who just had a baby six months ago who has decided for her mental sanity she's going to take up running. You don't have to be anywhere in particular. You just have to be a person who moves her body through running to get what you're saying. It, it is authentic. It is genuine while still transmitting authority. That's what I think has been your success. But what do you think? Thank you. I appreciate that. I think it's a combination of, I just get really excited about a lot of the stuff. So I, I hope that my enthusiasm for the subject matter comes through. And I also think kind of speaking to what you were saying earlier about being, you know, told, oh, you have to find this ultra specific niche if you're going to have any business like this, is that my niche is like any runner. <laughs> 
honestly, like if you run, there's always something more you can learn, right? Whether you are on day one or day 1000 or day 10,000, whatever it is, there's always something more to learn. And, and not even that it's that if you genuinely love the sport, you should be excited about learning it, right? It should be something that you are interested in learning about. So that's kind of like the, you know, enthusiasm for there's always more we can learn. Like we're all students of the sport, kind of we're all in this together, but here, let me help you learn along the way. And then the other thing that I think is a little bit different about what I do, and I'm not saying that I'm the only person who talks like this and discusses these kinds of topics, but a lot of what I also try to communicate about is the fact that this shouldn't be some sort of great Herculean sacrifice. You shouldn't be flagellating yourself at the altar of fitness for quote unquote gains or for aesthetics, right? That running is about Although finding your limits and testing yourself and learning all these skills, it's also about being kind to yourself and learning what you need as a person. And if you have a bad day, it's okay. We all have them. Because I do think there are a lot of fitness-focused accounts that are like, inspiration, motivation, this is super hard. Isn't it inspiring? And I want to be the person who's like, I'm inspired by you taking an unplanned rest day because you needed one, right? For me, that is like the pinnacle of of self-understanding. And it actually probably is going to make you a better runner in the long term. So I think the way that I like to communicate kind of both sides of that message, like let's go do awesome hard things and find out where our limits are. And, and also like you are awesome just the way you are. And if you need a rest day, that's okay too. <laughs> like together. And I love that that's the authenticity part, right? Because I think that's what's relatable to people, that it isn't for the extremists who are like, I am here to beat up my body as much as I can for the accolades, you know, for for the validation. You're not that. You're the person who speaks to normal humans in a, in a relatable way. And I think that applies to anything that we do online as coaches. This is why I always say you become the best coach in the thing that you care the most about because you live it. Your coaching should be an extension. Your coaching business should be an extension of your life. Like you just said, if it's not something that you're excited by, I'm going to say as the business coach, you probably shouldn't be coaching on it because then it becomes a financial transaction. Then it becomes a, I am selling something that I don't believe in. And that first of all, from a business perspective, is really freaking hard, but also from an emotional perspective is going to beat you down. You're eventually going to crumble under the weight of that as an entrepreneur. In that case, I'm going to say, go become a salesperson as an employee for someone else where you can just sell something you don't care about and you're just there to collect a paycheck. That's totally fine. Nothing against that. You probably shouldn't be an entrepreneur. So I think the reason that exactly what you just said, the reason that it resonates with people is because they they know this is something you get excited about and that actually matters to you. This is a life you live. You've been open about your story with running. You have shared that connection. And I'm not saying everybody needs to have that personal struggle to hero story. You don't. This is my example with this is always you don't have to have cancer to be a good oncologist, but you do have to be able to be really interested in the subject matter and really relatable and really empathetic with those who are going through whatever that transition is, whatever that growth period is. That's what's going to make you a business owner in the online coaching space that is going to stand out from an otherwise very saturated market where if it's just a constant inundation of go hustle, try harder, do more. When you fail, you didn't try enough. When you're struggling, it's because you're not doing enough. That's not messaging that I think in 2023 post-pandemic when we have struggled a lot over several years. I don't think people are after that. I think they're after who is the genuine person that I see reflected in their work. And if those two things mesh, then I'm here for it. And I think you've done a really great job of doing that. And I will also say, you know, for me intentionally, I have not made this the, 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 the Elizabeth show. 
right? Like, and I say that, and I have a podcast. <laughs> it's like, how do you mean this isn't all about you? Like, how do a you really become... great one? You should go listen. I've been on it. Oh, thank you. You twice. twice. Excellent episodes. It's it's not, and I think that sometimes when we enter into this space of being, I'll just call it subject matter experts about whatever your subject matter is, and it's that I think there is a, a hesitance. I think people think that in order to be this kind of person, you have to be the face of the thing, right? And I, I, there's nothing wrong with that, right? And some people are just more capable of authentically communicating who they are than others. And I think that people in this day and age, and I was even reading a, a, a piece about this um, not too long ago about how we know we're really sensitive in the world we live in to perceived inauthenticity online. Like we can now tell, right, when something doesn't feel quite right. And I think when I struggled with this early on, when I started running Explained, I was very clear that I wanted to do something completely different from being a quote unquote, like running person, like a running influencer, a running person online. Like I wanted to be, I wanted the the science to speak for itself. Like I wanted to present the facts and I wanted to kind of color it with my experience. And I wanted to be kind of the person behind the account, but always behind, never in front of, never the face of. And for me, one of the things I struggled with was how much of myself do I give to the world, right? And how do I do that in a way that makes me honestly maintain my privacy and make me feel like, you know, I don't, there aren't a whole bunch of people forming these bizarre parasocial relationships with me. But I think that's something a lot of people struggle with is that they feel like in order to communicate whatever they're trying to communicate, they have to be the person and they create this online persona and then they're communicating through this online persona, but it it's not quite who they are. And then people pick up on it and then they don't gain traction. And like, it's this, it's interesting because you feel like you're doing the right thing. You're like, well, I'm, I'm being myself online, but you're not. Nobody truly is. Every Everything that we do, no matter how quote unquote authentic you think you're actually being online is presented through a filter, right? So I think it's something that is is tricky for a lot of people to navigate. And uh, I'm, I feel like I'm lucky that I, I've positioned myself in this way that I can kind of like give as much as myself as I feel like giving online without the entire business literally being my face, although it is my voice. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's a very, that's a perfect point, especially when, again, what you coach on is very information-based, right? Science-based, information-based, because it shouldn't then be about here's the person who has an opinion. It's very different. It is a, here's the science and here's the person who's presenting it in a way that resonates with those on the other side. Because you're right, it is very difficult for most people to find their footing online, especially the second the first troll comes out, right? Everybody retreats in their shell. And we've all been there. And this is actually, if you're listening to this, your goal definitely should not be for content to go viral because it just gets ugly. It just gets ugly. That's why I don't do reels. I hate yep. doing reels because I don't want all those random people on my profile. No, thank you. Random people who have all sorts of opinions about your lives and or your life. And and yeah, I had people comment that I should get married and maybe have children and have a purpose in life. And I was like, but would you like to meet my family that is standing behind me cheering me on? But anyway, so the point is there is going to be a disconnect with your absolute personal life versus what you present online as there should be, because it still is a business and there should still be boundaries. This is not the Kardashians, right? Like if that's what you want, amazing, do that. But for the rest of you listening, for the other 98% listening that don't want that, you can have a very successful online presence without constantly being online and present. Those can be separated. You can create this business where it is about who you are as the authority, as the authentic authority, as the coach, as the person who is guiding without it feeling intrusive to who you are as a person and in your personal life. Okay, but I want to switch directions real quick for the last thing that I want to talk about, because this is a big thing that comes up with my clients in particular. 
And we kind of touched on it earlier with that moving the goalpost of, you know, like, I think things are going to be easier when I have 2,000 followers, when I have 5,000, when I have 10,000. And I'm coming at this as a person who runs two businesses that are both in the massive space of Instagram, like microscopic, like can't find microscopic, right? Like well below 10,000 followers and always have been. And yet I am making significant amounts of money in both sides of the business and have been from the start. I was making multiple six figures a year with less than 3,000 people. I also, on the flip side of that, know people who have half a million plus followers who can't monetize their online presence. You've now been on all ends of that spectrum somewhat from a follower account. What's your take on the requirement to having lots of people in order to make lots of cash, in order to have a viable business, knowing full well that you didn't get into this with the idea of a business, but you are now running a business and your business is doing well. So what is your take on that requirement, that that thought that people have, that you can't do something significant unless you have a lot of followers? Does one translate into the other? Not necessarily. And I think as we were saying earlier, you know, exposure helps, but you then have to do something with it. And I agree with you. And I'll even use another example. You know, we look at these meme accounts, right? Like I love dogs and all the dog focused accounts that I follow. These accounts all have whether whatever platform you're on millions and millions of followers, but how are they making money? right? How do you translate? What is, you know, and it was really interesting. Years ago, I used to work for a nonprofit uh, for a woman who was very into social media and was really obsessed with impressions. Like her metric of what success was, was like how many impressions a post would get. And this was like years and years ago, back when like impressions meant something. But that was like, she was like, yeah, how many impressions did this thing get? And I'd be like, I got this many impressions. She's like, oh, oh, that did really well. I'm like, did it? Like, is that how, like, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you can, you get to decide, or let me put it this way. And I say this a lot about running as well, the different metrics we have available to us as runners is that just because you can measure it doesn't mean it's the most important thing to focus on, right? Am I saying that having a, a larger audience can be beneficial? Yes, but a larger audience does not guarantee you a larger business. And I think that there are different ways that you know we can, and I'm going to say, fail to properly monetize the audience that we do have. And I think a lot of this has to do with you know the way that we, what we're trying to do, and who we're trying to speak to, and our yeah. There's I feel like, and I feel this personally, is that sometimes we get uncomfortable trying to monetize different things. And I will also say, not everything should be monetized, right? People sense that people, if you, and this is something I struggle with too. How do you sell without feeling like everything that people are consuming is like, buy, 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 right? So yeah, I feel like it's a double-edged sword, right? So it does confer benefits, but it's never guaranteed. And so I think that for people who are trying to approach their business with the stated goal, the stated primary goal of growing their social media audience online, what are you going to do with that? Where, where are you going to, what are you going to do with those people, right? How, are they even good people who are supposed to be part of your world? Or are they just a whole bunch of random Russian trolls or troll, literal trolls, you know? So that uh, I think is something that in this age of like, oh, when people's authenticity is like, oh, be, they're an expert because they have this many followers, which is like, I hate that don't fall into that trap of thinking that more followers automatically is going to open up the door. 
Especially, I think, in a day and age when we can look at a lot of, you said micro-influencer earlier, but we can look at a lot of the big influencers and go, this person literally is just getting airplay because a lot of people have clicked the follow button, not because this person has anything of value to say or add to the world. So let's detach that, right? Like, let's detach personal validation and, and personal impact and personal power from the vanity metric of how many people have clicked that follow button. And also what you were saying a second ago, it doesn't necessarily translate into, do you now know what to do with that? I always tell my audience, imagine, like whatever it is that you're doing, Imagine the entire world is looking and what is it that you want to say, right? Like your impact should always be, I have like whoever's listening needs to get the best version of me. I always say your free content should be your best offer. Your free content is what makes people see you as that authentic authority. The free content is what keeps somebody there. Again, I followed your account when it was all just free content and it was like 2000 people. So I'm like, this girl knows what she's talking about. And I like the way that she's saying this. And also everything I need is in one lucky cheat sheet in a little square on my phone. And I can just save this, which again, I no longer do because my whole phone will be full of Elizabeth. But the point is, can you separate how many eyes you know are on it and just show up with your best version every single time so that the people that are in your world are getting your very best and are connecting to what you're doing and you are creating that brand and you are creating that authority voice and they are getting the same message over and over and over so that eventually when you do decide, this is a part of this that I'm monetizing, this is something that I have a program on, this is something where I'm going to do an offer, this is something where I'm going to coach, they already look to you as that person. They are already an aligned audience that is ready to plug into your world because you've done all that other work first, not because you were after a bunch of random vanity metrics that are in the end pretty much meaningless unless you can back it up with that. And I think also to what you're saying about the content, you know, I I think there are a lot of people who are afraid to, to give out too much information. And I understand this, right? You're thinking, well, if it's something that people are paying me to tell them, why would I just say it out loud? But the thing is, is that me, you, you know, the other people who do similar things in your audience, right? To be honest, are you saying anything that something, somebody couldn't go read in a book, right? You are not, you are not communicating proprietary information. What you are doing is communicating a message in a way that the person who's receiving it is going to, they're receptive to it and they're going to internalize it, right? They're coming to you for a reason, right? Could could you say, you know, and I, I do this too, some be like, well, if you'd like to learn more, you know, I you can book a consult with me, or if you'd like to learn more, this is something that we do in group coaching. If you'd really like to learn more, you can go literally read the study that I read, right? So it's not like you're not trying to withhold or like hide information. This is not like the nuclear codes, right? This is technically the information is available if somebody were to try to go find it. So I think that this is one of the things people are afraid of. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to like give too much away in for my in my uh, in my free content. I'm like like, there will always be people who want more and there will always be people who just want to work with somebody who knows what they're talking about. There are going to be a ton of people who are going to read your free content and, and no, go no further. Never buy. Yeah. Right? There's nothing. That, that yep. is what it is. We yep. all do that. Right. Every How many accounts do you follow where you're like, cool, this is really useful, but like you don't buy anything from them. That's OK. You're never going to convert 100 percent of your audience. That's not the goal. That isn't the goal. And also the great counterpoint to that or the, the continuing point of that is if your content isn't content where people are like, this is so useful and so helpful, 
you are vanilla. And in that saturated market, no one is going to remember who you are. And your goal is, going back to the very beginning of what we were talking about, to impact people with information they can use. That's what we're all here for. So if you do want to then translate that forward into paid clients, if you can't even get people to pay attention when it's free, why in the world would anybody pay attention and pay you for it? So the fear of I'm going to give too much is a that's a that's a you issue, not an audience issue. That has nothing to do with your audience. That has everything to do with personal power and confidence in knowing that when they are in close proximity with you, of course, they're going to get more guidance. They're going to get more accountability. They're going to get your wisdom and experience personalized to them. That's the value of that. But if you're afraid to say the pieces of knowledge that you have in your brain because you think that no one will ever pay you, no one's going to pay attention even when it's free. And that's going to make your business fall before it ever started. All right, Elizabeth, I am so excited that you were here with us. Um, we could talk for another hour and a half because you and I have on your podcast. Um, the, they always are exceptionally long and still at the same time, I'm like, I have so much more to say. So we could go forever, but I'm going to cut us off here. Tell everybody what's going on in your business right now. Where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? If they do want more support, anybody who is a runner, or if you just want to connect with her because she is amazing, she will see you in her 130,000 followers. She will see that other five followers that just followed. But where can they connect with you? What are you currently doing? Tell people all the Thanks. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was fun. Yes, so I uh, I hang out a lot on Instagram, right? So I have a lot of content available at Running Explained. I like to say that Instagram are my sound bites, and the podcast, the Running Explained podcast, is my long form content, right? So it, we all know it's hard to communicate nuance, right? And a lot of these complex topics we talk about. So Instagram is the snapshot. Uh, podcast is the long form. If you are at all interested in running, if you have ever been a runner, if you've ever thought about becoming a runner, or maybe you're trying to qualify for your 19th Boston in a row, there is always something more for you to learn so we can all become better runners. Uh, in my business offerings, we offer training plans, right? So you can follow a training plans written by me and get access to our private Facebook group for a little bit more hands-on support from the group and from me personally, as I pop in and answer questions every now and then. I also offer what I call Training Plus, which is a expanded education education program with a, attached to a training plan. So you get the training plan, you get 13 modules of education for me personally about how to train for your marathon or half marathon, group coaching, which is training plan, bi-weekly coaching calls, and all that educational content. And then of course- And sometimes really cool experts like dietitians that might show up. You might see a cameo or two sometimes. Exactly. Yes. You might you might see Kirsten in in that space too. I am everywhere. You cannot escape. She I have my clients work with you, I think, possibly, at this point. Yes, so there possibly. is a lot of overlap. I get a lot of clients that come after the podcast, definitely. And then of course the top tier, I do offer one-on-one coaching. And the cool thing is not just me anymore. My my coaching roster is limited at this time, but I do have six unbelievably talented, kind, empathetic, knowledgeable coaches working on my team who are currently taking one-on-one clients. That's like the top of the most support, the most customization, the most exactly what you are specifically trying to do and uh, getting you to where you are trying to go as a runner. I love it. I love it. I love it. You guys follow her if you don't yet listen to her things. Even if you just want to watch a master at work with connecting with an audience, especially one this large and still have your audience feel seen and and valuable in that. Because again, you're, you've done a beautiful job of this 
massive growth in just three years, which most people will never get to, right? Most people never even hit 10K on Instagram. The fact that you have done all of that and yet it still feels to me as somebody who's been there from the start, it still feels exactly the same as it did in the beginning. You haven't lost any of that personalization and I think that is huge. So for those of you listening, even if you're not a runner, go ahead and follow her because you can learn a thing or two from Elizabeth. So I'm so grateful you were here with me. For those of you listening, I will catch you on the next, next episode and I hope everybody has an amazing rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Embodied CEO Podcast. To connect with me, Kirsten, head to kirstenscreen.com or find me on Instagram at thekirstenscreen. My DMs are always open, so drop in and say hi. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and share the Embodied CEO Podcast. And now go out there and take some action.